0: Hi, welcome to How Did You Learn To Do That? where you will hear tips, guidance, and stories to help you to have a fulfilling life and career. The inspirational stories that you will hear from people will inspire you to know that you can create anything you want in your life and it just takes commitment and action. So I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited for you to hear these stories, these guidance, and the tips that I'll be sharing. And if you have any questions, you can always reach out to me, info at howdidjeelearntodothat.com. And you can connect with us on social media. We're on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. At how did you learn to do that? And we would love if you could help us grow and expand this podcast by reviewing us on Apple Podcasts as well as on YouTube and sharing the episodes with your family and your friends and helping us continue to spread the message that we all are deserving of a fulfilling life and we can be the catalysts in our lives to create that. All right, stay tuned for the next episode. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to welcome Miriam Demian of Caffeinated Media Solutions to the How Did You Learn to Do That podcast. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Miriam before we get started. So Miriam is the founder and owner of Caffeinated Media Solutions, a digital marketing agency working with small businesses on giving their online presence a jolt of sustainable energy. After a decade spent working in marketing and heading up large budget national campaigns, Miriam would find herself unfulfilled and sometimes even unemployed after budget cuts and restructuring. So she founded Caffeinated Media Solutions with the intention of bringing the same level of service only available for the large budget organizations to startups, offering plans customized to work for them where they are at in their marketing and e-commerce journeys. Cairo-born, Ottawa-raised, Miriam's own journey into marketing wasn't quite linear as she had thought she would work in the field of criminal justice. But after a year spent in South Korea teaching and backpacking solo, she ended up in marketing as she found it rewarding and fascinating to be able to communicate a message through various means and mediums. Beyond linguistic barriers. In the years since moving to Vancouver from Ottawa, Miriam achieved two unorthodox dreams of completing a documentary, filmed in Cambodia on a handicam and seeing it screened at the Female Eye Film Festival in Toronto, as well as self-publishing a fictional novel called Nawal from Cairo to Canada, currently available in the indie section of the Vancouver Public Library. Wow, that's so interesting. So much that I didn't know about you. That's so cool. I want to (laughs) see the link to your video. Definitely share because I'd want to check it out. And I know people would want to check it out. And your book. So cool. Um, (laughs) We could talk about Cambodia and traveling. It's honestly one of my most favorite places in the world, which... I feel like it's such a hidden gem no one really talks about, but um is one of my favorite places. So I'm so excited to have you on the
1: podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I know I was kind of laughing at the end of my bio. <laughs> it sounds just so all over the place, you know, <laughs> but such is life, and that's that's how it that's how it's that's how the cookie crumbled.
0: <laughs> yeah. well, so far, well, the best the best life journeys are not a straight line, right? It's a bit of a, yes. a bit of a you know like a zigzag or a swirl, I think. And yeah. Um, yeah. for me too, I actually saw something recently. Um, someone that oh, Ida. Um, I don't know. You follow Ida too? So Ida, wonderful Ida, who's also been on the podcast. She posed a question today on uh, her Instagram around, are you pursuing the career that you went to school for? Or are you doing what you had thought you would do when you graduated high school or or college? And I had to think about it. And I remember the first thing I did when I was about to graduate high school was I applied for um, school at the University of British Columbia in the Okanagan though, which from my house is a five to six hour drive. Uh, which would mean I'd have to move out, which would mean that my parents were not okay with it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and then the second one was like, okay, if you're not going to let me go move out of the house, then I'm going into broadcast journalism, which was a field that my parents, you know, it was like a rebel thing because my parents did not see it as valuable. It's not
1: doctor, pharmacist, engineer. There you
0: go. Right. <laughs> exactly right? it's the same yeah 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 i was like okay i'll go to med school but you have to let me move out now or i'm going to be a broadcast journalist and uh both of them were no so um so i remember when i applied for the broadcast journalism though i did go to their info night and it was the first time i really felt that something resonated with me like i felt like oh this makes sense this is exactly where i want to be um you know, and then I went, I ended up actually going into healthcare and public health and um, and I do love it, but now I'm coming back full circle with this podcast right oh, yeah. and, and media and like developing this kind of media form um, and coming back to a, a form of journalism or broadcasting or, um, you know, having this podcast. So when I, so when I, as I was reading it, and you, you know, you have the, the movie and the film and the um, book, I'm like. Oh my gosh, like you are pursuing all your passions.
1: I mean, it didn't start off like that. Yeah. Like you, you know, when I was, you know, you tell a 17, 18 year old to decide their entire life, right? Like by going to, now you choose what you love and does anyone love the same thing? Like, I don't know how many years later, I won't go into that, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, so... When I was going to university, I get my for myself as well. It was like, you're not leaving the house, you're not like, what is this? You know, we're Egyptian, like, you don't leave. You very wait similar till, cultures, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it, you know, you'll leave when you get married. That's yeah, how it goes. Yeah, you exactly grow up, you get a university degree that's honorable enough to marry, <laughs> you know? and then essentially, right? And then, uh, and then and then you're off, go wherever you want, but it's not gonna be on your own. My parents were never, like, they're traditional, I think, because I think they also had to be, <laughs> you know? Um, but, essentially, I wasn't allowed to leave. My mom was like, if the program is in Ottawa, you're staying in Ottawa. <laughs> and I was like, all right, all my friends were staying too, because all my, you know, I had a lot of Egyptian friends. so I'm <laughs> like, well, I'll stick it out together. Um, so I did, I went into criminology, with the intent of going into uh, law and becoming a criminal defense lawyer. That was my grand plan at 18, 19, because, uh, simply actually because all my friends always said that I argue so much about anything and everything that I should be a lawyer. Like, that's just a
0: natural trajectory. Oh, you argue a lot, you should just be a lawyer. I feel like I've heard that so much about anyone that argues a lot. It's like, go be a lawyer. Yeah, right. And it's just,
1: um, and being impressionable and not really knowing, like, I wasn't into, you know, I I knew I wasn't going to be in medical or Engineering or anything like that, those aren't my interests at all. So I went into criminology, just, you know, sight unseen, going, yeah, sure, this is going to work out. Like that is just going to work out. Um, but, you know, through the years, things moved in a different way. And after university um, and trying the LSAT a couple of times, and anyone who's ever tried the LSAT to get into law school, will attest to the fact that it is written by the devil himself <laughs> you know? it is not it's just not I don't know my brain just wouldn't I just couldn't get the right um results I always got close but not enough to get into law school so anyway so after university I decided um somehow and this is the comical part I guess I never really thought about it this way, but only three or four years earlier I was I wasn't allowed to leave the house because, you know, the program was in Ottawa and I had to go to university and be traditional and follow the right path. Um, but then once university ended, I was like, I think I'm going to go to South Korea and teach English. <laughs> you know, And my parents were, I don't know, they didn't put up that, I don't remember them putting up that much of a fight. I think they like internally knew that I just, I'm just not the type of person that's going to follow the exact same path. Um, that I was supposed to, or I don't know. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I went to South Korea. I didn't know the language. I didn't know anyone there. Um, I didn't know that kimchi was their national food. Um, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like nothing. So I would unseen went through a recruiter, got a job, and moved to South Korea um, to teach English. And where my coworkers were supposed to have been English speakers, they were not. Um, And that was interesting because it was, um, it was 2005. And so that meant that Google wasn't so great at translating just yet. There weren't these apps. There was no social media. Yes, it was that long ago. (laughs) It's crazy to think. But it was, um, it was really, really trying, but it became a little bit of a fun situation where um communicating with my coworkers was just to me it was hilarious because they had this their own translating machine or something i don't I, program and they would print out the translations and like hand them to me of what they're trying to say and it made no sense whatsoever it was just it was the most it was just so funny that sometimes i would be like Okay, yeah, mm-hmm, and just go home and then get a knock at my door like an hour later, like, no, you come with us. <laughs> okay, sure, you know, but it was it was a defining year. I met a lot of expats there from all around the world, which was really fun. Obviously met and made some um, friends in Korea who are Korean, learned a little bit of Korean. Um, that gets me, it's like menu, you know, menu Korean. Mm-hmm. Not. I can't speak much of it. Um, But yeah, it was a defining year. I went home to Ottawa with a totally different mindset um, and just trying to get work and figuring out what I want to do. But the recruiter who had sent me, who had gotten me a job in South Korea, um, ended up offering me a job, which actually was out here in Vancouver because they were located in Gastown. And I never thought I would ever move uh, out here to the rainy coast, but I was just at a point where I was like, I don't think there's a future for me in Ottawa. So I packed up my bags of my life and came out here in 2008. Um, and since then it's been crazy. But while I was in South Korea, I had, I had started a blog on blogger.com um, I sound ancient right now. I'm not. I have
0: <laughs> blogger.com to too. So right? I remember.
1: Does that, you know, it's like, does it even exist? I don't know if the blog still exists, but I use Blogger to create um, a form of communication with my family and friends. And I would just write my stories and all of what's happening about the translations and the pictures and the food and the people and, um, and the you know, just everything that happens there. And then everyone liked it. People were like, oh, I just sent it to a friend. I just sent this to, you know, I had this little following. Um, and I realized then that I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I can write. But I had proof. It wasn't just, oh, you can argue. I wrote in a way that was engaging. So I was like, okay, this is fantastic. So when I had gone back to Ottawa, I had started writing a book. I had this idea and I started it, um, but it took me you know it was like it was a pet project for a while it was like my baby so i had that going for years and years and then um anyway when i came to uh vancouver the job with um with the recruiter was to it was essentially social media at that point there was facebook um and it was to communicate with the with the clients and the hrs and whatever so that's where it kind of began like the the way I see Korea, it was a place where I learned that communication is the absolute key. And I was able to figure out how, because while I was there, I also backpacked in other countries where I didn't speak their language, right? But you learn how to communicate because humans have the same type of Um, like gestures for like watches not that we have watches anymore but you know there's certain things where we can align without verbal communication and so it kind of shifted while I was there from just arguing to making a point via media Um, and I began working at the recruiters here and after that I decided to go to BCIT for broadcast communication um and that's where i learned that i really really want to make this uh documentary that was just my dream um and a, my very 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 good friend was like yeah sure i'll do it with you i was like oh okay i guess we're doing this you know she made a dream come true for me um it was originally supposed to be sh- very quickly uh, it was supposed to be in egypt we had our flights we had everything going and um, everything set up but then the night before I think it was the night before we were supposed to leave the revolution broke out (laughs) so that kind of put a kink in the plans because there was no travel that was going to be possible for a while we held out we cried oh my gosh it was like we put so much into the plan that that was the biggest stretch I've ever ever experienced but um, but we quickly changed it around, went to Cambodia for the same topic, which is um, the legalities of uh, adoption in certain countries. So in Egypt, it's not uh, permitted. Adoption is not permitted. And in Cambodia at the time, there was a moratorium on adoption. So um, we, we went to Cambodia and we quickly like rejigged everything took our Sony Handycam, that's like $100, and went, um, I st- I don't know how we pulled it off, but thanks to her, who she was the videographer and editor. And we got it done, came home to Vancouver, entered it into the uh, Female I Film Festival, got it in. Um, and through all this, I'm working obviously in all types of marketing jobs and social media, finishing my degree diploma at BCIT um there was always something else going on obviously like moving me along but that's the very roundabout way of getting into marketing in the first place it's really about the communication um of messages so whether it's you know through a visual medium an audible medium or um or a written one you know and um my book was still on my heart you know like it was still something that I needed to continue. My mom would always be like, don't let her die. Like, give her life. Where, you know? And that was, she was like my biggest motivator. She's like, you can't let this go. I, I want to read it. And so I continued to write. And it took me like um, 10 years to pu- to publish it, to finish it and publish it um self published i learned all about self publishing through cuz everything by the way that i've done including my current business bootstrap didn't start with knowledge didn't start it started with like a passion right and i'll fast forward a bit so i published the book in 2018 um and through i've been like marketing manager here marketing manager there uh huge campaigns etc but there were these layoffs, right? Like layoffs happen. Um, oh it's not the right fit, restructuring, finances, blah, blah, blah. And I was just tired of it. Um, after my, my first layoff in I think 2014, I had started registered caffeinated media solutions. And actually came up with the name Over Coffee with a friend at like Parallel 49 or uh yeah, the coffee and donut place, right? <laughs> and um And I still have the napkin where she drew like the first logo concept and everything. So it was that special to me. And I started it with the intention of working with small businesses. Um, But then I got scared, went back to work, got full-time jobs, lay off again, lay off again. I was like, okay, that's it. I'm done. I, I, I want to take control. I want to bet on myself. That's what I always say. Like I wanted to bet on myself, my knowledge, um, to start this business and work with small businesses, to give them, like I said in the bio, um, to give them the same kind of knowledge and a chance in marketing and advertising that I knew could be done for larger companies. Um, I know it can be done on a budget, I know it can be done uh, logically, coherently, clearly, because a lot of times we'll throw the jargon out and the acronyms, and people are like, mm-hmm. But they don't understand. But they fear understanding. They fear asking, yeah. right? So, so my uh, I continue to just try to work with small businesses to help them understand what they need, even if they're not working with me. But then, when they are working with me, to be very, very clear and have it like be a a, a collaborative situation. It's not I'm no better than you just because I have this marketing knowledge. I don't know the knowledge that you have in running a restaurant, like. You don't want me to run a restaurant, <laughs> you know. Uh, so yeah, that's the very roundabout way of how caffeinated media solutions has come to be, and how I've become an entrepreneur. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love that story, and I feel like it's very uh, uh, every, like some of the stuff you're saying. I was like, oh my gosh, I remember that, and I remember um, similar to you having registered my consulting business in 2016. But not really taking a contract until twenty eighteen, several years later, and not really pursuing it that much. But I, I registered it, and I remember at that time it was because I had finished my master's and I was just looking at all these jobs, and there was just not a lot of jobs in in my field. And I also was, um, and I've always um, been drawn to entrepreneurship and always been drawn to the flexibility of just running your days the way you want to run it. Like if you want to work late at night and you want to take the morning off, that's okay. Like you don't have to be there set on someone's schedule. Um, And that's what I really appreciate about the entrepreneurship life. It's, it's, I mean, you get some time freedom, but in the long run you'll get it and the upfront you put a lot more time. And so you kind of bank that time for the future. Um, But that's what I really wanted to do. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to consult and I set up this business and, but then there's a lot to get it going, right? And I, like you said, like I ended up getting a job, and I fell back to that security, that stability, and I was like, oh, okay. And then I did that for a period of time until my maternity leave. But now I'm I'm in that place where I'm, I want to start doing that uh, consulting and um and have replaced my day job and and having this podcast and this business and going through this journey and and it's really been, um powerful that we can we can actually create these things for ourselves that really pursue um and similar to what you just shared my husband he works in the oil and gas industry he's a he works in the on the engineering and design side um and uh and yeah he just like you know the oil and gas industry is like a boom and bust cycle all the time right it rotates kind of like every decade or so it's high and it's low it's high and it's low um and we got married in 2015, and I always laugh and make make a little fun of, of him. Uh, and I say that, you know, every single year we've been married, you've been laid off, and you've had to get a new job. And it's just like constant. And then obviously when COVID hit, because it was his own business, he, he would consult his services. So when COVID hit, um, of course, you know, everything kind of, and even now, I don't know if the gas prices have recovered as much, but... Um, obviously nobody was driving anywhere, so gas demand had lowered and no planes so lower again. Um, and so he was let go and then he he, you know, worked for six months and he um or was home for six months actually with our daughter while I was working and he he really enjoyed that. But he obviously when you're laid off your initial thought is, I need a job, <laughs> like I need to get a job. And so he ended up getting a job. Um and and didn't love it and recently actually just yesterday we were or two nights ago we were having the discussion around um how this work they the expectation was that there would be kind of like a 12-hour workday 60 80-hour work weeks like we week evenings weekends like there was just no limit to it and um and yeah and then we just um a few days ago I said you know what I said why don't you just you know, take the plunge, like just just quit and start your business because you know you've always wanted to, and he's always had that that idea, these ideas of a business. So what you're saying about just having enough of the layoffs and enough of the you know the hard work and jumping yeah. from this place to that place and just having something for yourself. And if you're going, to, and I am a huge believer that if you're going to put effort into something, it should be for yourself. Um, yeah. and you know, there's there's just there's a lot more to life than working and I feel like from the time we're kids until you know the end of our career it's just like everything around us in life always has to do with your career always has to do with like your job and your you even introduce yourself and identify yourself by your title of your job versus mm-hmm. saying like hi I'm Ajaza, and you know I to- do x yeah yeah you know, it's like, oh yeah, hey, I'm, you know, I'm the host of this podcast or I have my own business and it's just like, who are you? And uh, I remember one interview, actually, someone asked me that. They're like, don't tell me about your achievements and your work and your resume because it's in front of me, but who are you? And I couldn't,
1: I couldn't yeah. answer I've been there. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. I know. To, I know yeah. my parents are from, like, what do you, what do you mean, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was like, I really appreciate you sharing that. Um and it's interesting that I was talking about BCIT broadcast journalism, and you went to the broadcast uh, school there too. Um, yeah, that's so exciting. So yeah, so I love everything that you shared. So, so how I'm just curious, how did the documentary come come to be? Like, I know you said you guys had to switch plans and go to Cambodia, but did you have to travel to multiple different areas, or did you keep to like the main um, cities? And like, how did you actually? find the stories that you were looking for, or start exploring uh, what you wanted to explore? Um trying to think back. So what happened was, like I said,
1: you know, we couldn't go to Cairo, right? Um, so we needed a place right away that I don't think we even thought of where else could we go or we were thinking about it. And then my friend's mom uh, was at her church, and there was someone there from an orphanage in Cambodia. Oh, okay, And that is actually how Cambodia even entered the picture. I'd never been that, well, I'd been to Thailand, Vietnam, like I'd never ventured <laughs> right to Cambodia. Um, so I was like, okay. Um, so she had this pamphlet that these nice people gave at their church. And I, we looked at it, we thought about it, and um, we were able to secure an interview with that orphanage um, once we landed in Cambodia. And then I somehow, (coughs) excuse me, somehow also secured an interview with um, a director at UNICEF, Cambodia, as well as then a third, like we just researched and emailed who wants to talk to us. Um, And it wasn't different places throughout Cambodia, but it's not a very large country. Um, It was an insane experience traveling through Unpaved roads and on all okay. kinds of trucks and seeing, um, you know, the uh, the vespas with um, with like a whole family. <laughs> it was like, oh my god, how are they doing this? Meanwhile, I'm like petrified for my life anywhere I go. Right. Um, so it was really, really yeah. So they were in different places throughout Cambodia, but like not yeah. As I said, they're not very. They were all um via a bus or um a tuk tuk or whatever. Um we did have an incident where one guy we hired from the hotel or hostel or wherever we were staying. <laughs> because we were bootstrapping this. So it was like we were staying at places that I mean I don't know that they were so cheap. It was very questionable. But <laughs> but um but yeah so he we had hired him to like take us to this orphanage and it was so far away it was like an hour out of Phnom Penh or um yeah something like that and then we finished our interview and at the time he was supposed to be there like he just was not there and we start. I started panicking she was trying to like calm it down and then we would take turns panicking like how are we ever going to get back to the city? Um, so we, you know, we had a few of those incidents, but it was, it was phenomenal learning from all the people that we spoke to, um, why there was a moratorium at the time. And the reason that it was even a topic of choice is just because, um, I don't know why, how I, I can't explain this, but for me, orphans has always been something that's like unacceptable. Like why are there even orphans? Why is there? And then if there are orphans because it's life, I know like uh, sometimes it just is the way it is, right? Um, But then why would adoption not be allowed? That's such an, an unfair situation to me to give a child a suitable life or I shouldn't say suitable because it all depends on their current situation etc there's a million ways i can talk about that but yeah. at the end of the day it was just a topic that i really really wanted to bring to light and in cairo it's not permitted because of religious reasons um and the research we had done on that it just it broke my heart but in cambodia the moratorium at the time was because of trafficking so it was to control trafficking and oh, okay. the the saddest part was that a lot of the orphans um, and I'll give the link it's not as happy super happy documentary by the way. whoever watches it okay, and it was done on a handicap so those are i'll preface that but uh, but in Cambodia and places like it, um, a lot of times people just can't afford to have their kids, so they give them up to the um, to the uh, the temples to live with the monks or whatever or the orphanages um, so sometimes they do have family and that's the saddest part um, but is there a solution? I don't know what the situation is right there. Um, right now, they were trying to stop trafficking. So that's why we were in Cambodia doing a documentary about, about
0: adoption. Um, that's how that came to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, wow. I, um, I love documentaries, especially powerful ones like that, that really, you know, not only teach you something new, but they just pull at your heartstrings and just that feeling of like, how could this be? Um, I absolutely love those kinds of documentaries. So I'd I'd love to watch yours. Yeah, so what I was saying was that my husband and I took a trip to Southeast Asia and I grabbed the Lonely Planet book and it had like this eight week tour of the area. And we did it actually over two months. So a little bit longer than eight. No, it was a three week tour, but we did it over eight weeks. and then one of the places was Siem Reap, Cambodia, and the other one was um, Phnom Penh, like you said, and a couple, like, some, uh, something in the middle, I can't remember the name of it, one of the towns. And um, at the time, I was like, do we really want to go to Cambodia? And my husband was like, you know, all, and we had planned, like, like you said, Thailand, Vietnam, uh, we had planned, like, Malaysia, Singapore, Bali, um, and my husband goes, these are all beach areas where we could lay on the beach. Like this one's landlocked. Like, what are we doing there? And I was like, oh, I don't know. It just tells us we should go and let's just check it out. It ended up actually being our most favorite place of the entire trip because Siam it's like historically always a bit of backpackers journey. And with Angkor Wat right there, it's just, it was so much fun and we just loved it. But in the same token, the people, you know, having been gone, having gone through everything that they've gone through and the resiliency that, that they have and like the generosity that they have and just how kind uh, they are as people. Yeah. I'm just grateful, just grateful for the life that they have with as much or as little as they have, but just that, that passion and that gratefulness. It really took me aback. And then obviously going to Phnom Pen was a different story because in San Preet, reap was like a party town, right? Phnom Pen, like you mentioned, was a different story because we learned to learn more about the Khmer Rouge and we went to the sites that they, um, the tourist sites. So they talk about it, but we also visited with um, a couple of temples and just heard from locals some stories. Um, but yeah it was it was it ended up being one of my most favorite places and when you say you know the driving through dirt roads and seeing seven people on one motorcycle you're just like how is this like you know but um i remember actually and i was kind of a little off topic but i remember coming in from bangkok like we had to take a bus from bangkok to um, sam reep wow. and i remember to see if we can get a flight and it was like there weren't really flights but we could take this bus so i was like okay let's just do the bus and i coming from hearing being naive and hearing about security issues i was like so scared of taking the bus because i was like are we gonna get like stopped halfway through and like are we gonna you know be kidnapped or hurt or anything like i just it was just me being naive and ignorant and I mean, it was it, it, there's challenges, of course, and there's security issues, but for the most part, the people are so nice that I felt really safe there. Um, but we did end up actually going to the border uh, between Thailand and and Cambodia, and it was like we stopped in the middle of this village with literally like straw little houses, and I thought it was like a camping ground or something, but it was it was huts like homes of people. It was just a village, and we get out. And everyone's like, get out. And they, and I was like, okay, can we get our bags? They're like, oh no, we're going to cross the border and we'll have your bags on the other side.
1: Yeah, I think I this is
0: bringing back memories. I think yeah. we probably did the same thing, yeah. Really loved it. And then there was just the locals of that village are just standing there telling you, go this way, go that way. And it was like a maze. And to get to this really like shady looking building and you get to the building and they, I'm like, what is this? And the, one of the locals is like, the border. And I was like, what? And like, you walk through this building and go upstairs and it's just like one table, one guy sitting there and you go up to him, he stamps your passport and then you're in, you're in Cambodia. And I was just like.
1: "That." Would- yeah, yeah, I think I remember that you have to walk across unless I'm now making memories yeah. up because- No, of- that is saying. it. Yeah, you have to walk I, I think so, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, it's it really is a special place and my friend has gone back since um, I don't remember what year she went back but after we went in 2011. Um, And she said, you know, the saddest part is, you know, it is being Capitalized, right? So there's just buildings everywhere. When we were there, it was cranes everywhere. She's like, those tr- cranes have moved, and now it's just these high rises, and it doesn't look the same at all. Um, so I'm kind of glad that we saw it when we did because, yeah, um, it because it was raw, and the people are so they are very kind, and yeah, learning about the Khmer Rouge was just, I mean, it's like, how did this happen in our lifetime? <laughs> you know, how did this happen? um unnoticed and it really wakes you up to other world events that we're not paying attention to which which is a whole different podcast but uh but yeah it was it's it's it was one of the five i mean i've had i guess a few defining moments (laughs) but being there and and doing that documentary was definitely uh it was it was fantastic and i'm so i'm grateful to my friend andrea because she she's the one that was like yeah we're doing it like yeah. done you know if i say we're doing something there's a there's there could be a question mark like you know but she helped me make this dream come true for me and then her so
0: yeah yeah well that's amazing and i'm i'm so excited that you shared that in your bio otherwise i would have never known and i'll share the link um uh, in the show notes so anyone that's listening can check out Check out the uh, documentary. Um, so yeah, so let's let's get back onto you and kind of this journey that you've been on, um, and really making that commitment once you you had that layoff and you or the series of layoffs and you were like, I'm done. I'm starting something for myself. So what was what was that? first thing that you did I know you you registered the business but when you actually wanted to get it going what was the first thing that you did and how like how did you feel how did you get through the barriers you would put up for yourself and just say that like I believe in myself I believe in this and here's what we're going to do
1: you know what I am not gonna lie and say I came up with some master plan (laughs) it was a point like i was driving home from getting laid off from in surrey so it was a nice long drive back to vancouver <laughs> and uh, and i was just like what just happened and how can i make it so that that doesn't happen to me again so that was really that moment where i just thought I, and i felt defeated too i don't want anyone listening thinking like oh and then it was boom like i had this big light bulb it was just it was actually the a moment of de- defeat that I never wanted to feel again. If I, you know, it was so deflating. It's so very deflating to be like, but I tried to help you. You know, I tried my best here and whatever happened happened with that last one. So when I I, I let myself to be, I'm going to be totally transparent. I think I went I probably I can't fully remember but I might have stopped at the liquor store first <laughs> to grab some wine uh, for the to do you know not to deal like it's not but to hope I guess yeah um, and then I went my business is still registered I can do this I know I can because I've been doing it for clients with the agencies and in-house um, let's do this How, what can I do so I went back to my GoDaddy account and my website account, cleaned it up, thought about what I can do there, what services I can do. Um, I was lucky enough to have EI to get me through. So that is such a benefit we have there. I mean, in the meantime, when we're paying taxes, it never feels great. But when you need it, and you didn't ever know you would needed that badly, I'm happy to pay taxes, frankly. So, so, um, So yeah, I basically used, I decided to use the time I had for EI to start digging, like hit the ground running. um, And I knew when it would end. So I started um, putting out feelers, um, applying for certain things. If I saw something on Facebook groups, on, um, you know, on message boards and whatnot, that could use my help rather than hire an agency for example and stuff like that so i started putting out feelers um and and went from there to be honest i'm happy that i also um i participated in this little i don't want to say conference but a talk i guess with um other female entrepreneurs and um One of them had said to me, and she was a mortgage specialist, so nothing to do with what I was doing. But I had such a hard time investing. Like when you're on EI and you've got rent and you've got bills, you don't really think like, oh, I have money to invest in my business right now. But there was the moment where I was like, I hate my website and I want a new one. It's going to cost this much. She's like, you're going to make that back triple, if not more. You're not even going to think about that amount anymore. Just do it. Like I promise it'll pay off. And, um, and I did, I went home and paid for another site and cleaned it up. And, and it has went through, you know, I've had a few iterations of my website, but for me, my, you know, you put your best foot forward and you make an impression and what impression did I want to put out there? So I looked at my website first, um, my services and then, yeah, and then hit the ground running just putting feelers out there, started with one client um, on a different type of deal. And then I created, um, I hosted meetups to meet new people that might be interested in these services who also own small businesses. Um, And I I honestly went from there. It's a day-to-day thing. And I was just speaking to a client this morning um, on like a marketing coaching call. And I was telling her, I've realized that owning a business is like having a relationship. You have to choose it every day. And sometimes it's by the hour. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's like I love you, but I don't like you right now. I have to just take some space, go for a walk, go, go for a like do anything but look at it um, until you turn back. So yeah, it's not entrepreneurship, I think we were speaking about it earlier. Like, it's not for everyone. It's when you want stability, when your life is about looking for stability, it's not going to be entrepreneurship. There's like, no, (laughs) there's no stability. There's no sureties. There's, you know, it's how much can you put in and you're not always going to get the same. You're not always going to have a positive ROI. You know, your return on investment is not always going to be positive. You're going to have upset clients. You're going to have to renegotiate contracts, there's so much, but it's all in the process. And I'm happy I chose it because it just, it gives me an amount of autonomy that I think I was seeking through all those jobs that you just, you can't have when you have a
0: job. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I, I, I totally agree with you there because I feel that, um, although you don't get the stability in terms of income or, um, you know, just, just income in the work. Cause sometimes the work could be a lot and sometimes it could be almost non-existent. What I do appreciate about it though. Um, I mean, for me, it really has to do with my daughter. It's really was the catalyst. Um, and now she was the catalyst that got me going, but now there's just a whole series of other things that make me appreciate entrepreneurship. And that's just having a better, and I don't know, some people might say this is not true, but having or the ability to work towards a better work life balance in a sense mm-hmm. where, um, you know, if you want to sleep in, that's okay, because you're tired, you want to stay up late and work, that's okay, because it's working for yourself and Um, or if you wanna take a break midday to go for a walk or do an exercise class or go for lunch with a friend that you haven't seen in a while, that's okay. And you don't have to rush back after an hour to the office, you know? And my biggest thing that I hated being in the office was, and I always feel, and I totally, if I set up, if I grow this into a business where I'm employing people, I hope, I mean, I'm going to employ this and try it out, but I feel like we should work based on productivity you know, and if there's a series of tasks that I need to get done or the series of things that I need to do this week, that if I complete that in two days, there's zero reason for me to then just sit there staring at a screen for three days. Pretending to be busy. Pretending (laughs) to be busy. Exactly. Like I used to have a colleague who would read it. Like she would find PDFs of books or audio books online for free. And she would, Read a book for eight hours a day because she just didn't have enough work to do because her work was dependent on someone else and that person wasn't there that week. And so, really, she had nothing to do. And I just kept thinking to myself, I'm like, if this was my company, I'm paying somebody to read all my time, you know, which I would pay for someone to read because I think tweeting is so key and so important. But if it has to do with the business or it has to do with advancing their knowledge or them personally, and that's going to be something I want to incorporate in my business. But for the work that we were doing at the time, it, it didn't make sense. But I used to think the same thing. I'm like, if I can get all my work done in two days, for three days, I should be off. And I should still get paid a full-time salary because I'm working on productivity. Other people, they like to work a bit slower. And they, they do take the full five days, which is totally fine because we're all different and varied. But if we work based on our productivity... Um, basis versus an hour basis like getting 40 hours in a week Um, I think we would be a little better off because we could we could do a little bit more and although COVID and I've said this so many times that although COVID is terrible and horrible and what's happened is catastrophic the silver lining is that it's teaching us a new way to work a new shift in the office culture that we don't have to be there five days a week you know that we could we can have a work-life balance and I definitely feel that for myself being able to balance things more um being uh able to work from home and so um so yeah so I I appreciate what you said and um and and I also that thought that you just said um you know I know I can do it because I have been doing it you know um I think that that's really important because a lot of people, and myself included, we all know that like we can do a lot of the work we do as a consultant, um, and bring that same. But it's it's just getting over that fear, um, you know, and just taking that step. And um, and I appreciate that you know you could have you could have like you said like you were, you were you it it was hard to to go drive make that drive home, but you could have easily just said all right I'm gonna polish my resume and and Monday comes by and I'm going to start applying for new jobs you know but you just put matters into your own hand and said nope I got this and I want to go with it um and it is a grind you do have to choose it it is
1: and and that's the thing once you choose it like if and when you choose you know what I do Want the autonomy I want to be my own boss etc etc um it's not, you know, having the clients. I mean, yes, that person. And that's another thing I was talking to someone this morning and she was like, you know, everyone says, just do it and you can do it if that person does it, blah, blah, blah. And it's not that easy. So I do want to interject and say, it's not that easy because that agent, like if I was working in house at a, you know, a, in a marketing department um, I can't sell that product, but I can, I can tell a company how to sell the product, right? Um, and if I was working in an agency, I know I can be my own agency because I was doing the work, getting the clients through the door, becoming a business person, because essentially like once you become an entrepreneur, yes, you have all the liberties in the world. Now go do it. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. become a business person. So you have to learn. And as you well know, your accounting, your networking, your suddenly your HR, your, Accounting, your marketing, your sales, and you're the one implementing all of the work. Um, you're doing your own social media, your own, you're doing your advertising, like everything 100% is on you. And so um, while it is hard and it is a grind and it is something you do have to choose every day, um, I love it because I was listening to a podcast that said, when you're in this position, you have to look at the values that you have. So if you value a paycheck, don't do it because it's not gonna be regular for a while. You don't know what the while is. You could have, like you were saying, a big month and you're like, all right, this is golden, I'm good the following month, you have people saying, you know what, Um, I can't pay you this month, or can I get an extension or whatever, and you're suddenly facing your lowest grossing month. So if you value a check, if you value a title, if you value, you know, you want to be the whoever you want to be the manager you want, it's when you're your own boss, sure, you can be the CEO. But at the same time, like that doesn't come easy, right? So it depends on your values. And if you value um, if you're okay with a low income for a while because the value is in how you got that like for yourself, how you worked for it, for me like if I earn a dollar from a client, that dollar is worth more than a million that I got from a boss because it was like I did it um, with them I, it's not a you know it is a it''s, a, it's team effort here but yeah i just um it's it's fun it's challenging and i still i mean i don't know that i could do another interview and i think that's when you brought up the interview i remembered after i got laid off i was like i can't i can't fathom the idea of cleaning up my resume right now and talking anyone else into giving me a job i just i can't even prove it to myself right now I'm just—it's me, myself, and I. And I've gotta—I gotta hit the ground here. Um, so yeah, it was—you know—nothing. Like I said, like nothing has come easy. I don't think any entrepreneur starts off with it being easy. Um, and so we all come to it in a different way, and sticking it out is—is is the real challenge, I think. Um, but yeah. it's fun. I mean,
0: if—but I have a very twisted version of fun, right? <laughs> yeah, well, you know what, I I, uh, I was just about to ask you to, you know, what your advice would be to someone that just wants to get started, and, and definitely in getting clients, and figuring out where clients are, and how do you sell yourself, and what um, I appreciate you sharing, is that you, you are You are doing the marketing, like the actual work around web marketing and web design and all the work that you do and the services that you offer. You're doing that for your clients, but you, you yourself are your own client as well, because you have to do it for yourself too, on top of everything else. And I, yeah, I can totally say that for me, it's just... I try to carve out a period some time during the week, and I literally have to be very conscious about that. And it's it's either do I edit and get a, a podcast episode scheduled? Do I, um, you know, market my business? Do I market this? And it's I feel like there's always these competing demands for my time, um, and it's all about putting in systems, right? Putting in like organized and actually being disciplined. And you and I both we took the action takers. Um, club, right? I'm taking it again, yes. <laughs> oh, you are. Are you doing the self study? Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, are you? Is it new? Is there new stuff in there? Is that why? I think yeah. I think they said there's going to be
1: some new stuff and um, to go ahead and try it out again and um, and give feedback. But I'm happy to go through the material again to because, as you know, it kind of gives you that boost right yeah. it's like a boom and then you kind of go off and maybe next year i'll do it again or six months or however long it's yeah. been since we did it let me know but how yeah.
0: it goes in the online i want to know um yeah i want to know what happens if you do it once and then you do it again because yeah. i'm curious about that but yeah definitely gives you that boost but one of the things that we talked about in that was your ideal calendar like your ideal schedule of the week um in block time blocking you know saying like from this time to this time i'm ceo from this end to this time, i'm an accountant or whatever yeah being able to do that. And for me, because I still work full time and I'm running this business kind of like evenings and weekends when I can find some time. My biggest struggle, and, and I'll ask if you've actually had this too, and although you're doing it full time, but you're do still doing it on your own. Um, I, my biggest struggle was seeing people doing so much, you know, accomplishing so much and really putting so much time and effort into things on, on their businesses. And then I was looking at my business and I was like, well, I don't even have time to figure that out. I don't have time to do this. I can only do one of four things today. Um, so what am I going to do? And I really had to I, I was trying to do it all for a little while, even though I promised myself I wouldn't. And then in November, I actually and I feel like I believe in the universe and the universe taking control of its own um, hands when you're not listening um, or paying attention. But in October, I started feeling the burnout, I started feeling like I was getting more irritable, like I would rather have sat in front of my computer all day all night than like gone and spend time with my daughter, which, you know, I started the business so I can get more time with her. Now the business was taking more time away from her that um, if I didn't have the business, I would still get that time with her. Um, And so I, I really had to sit and reflect it in October. I was like, okay, in December, I'm going to take a couple of weeks. I'm going to take the month of December off my podcast. Um, I'm just going to kind of do the CEO stuff, do the backend stuff to help me grow, plan for the next year, et cetera. Well, I was trying to push through, push through, push through in October And around Halloween, my laptop, which was, it's a brand new laptop. I remember,
1: yeah, I saw that. Yeah. It
0: fried. It just fried. It just wouldn't turn on. It's my nightmare. Yeah. And luckily I saved, because I actually was running out of space on my hard drive, though it's, you know, quite a bit of space, but I was running out of space and things were getting slow. So somebody recommended I get cloud storage. It was like the best decision ever. So I store everything on the OneDrive with Microsoft. And I just have it embedded on my computer. So everything's on there so I can get access. And it's just, that really saved my life because I would have lost everything. Um, yeah, and so like my laptop died and I'm going, I'm like, they're like <laughs> at the repair place. And I'm like, are you guys going to help me? And I go to Apple and Apple's like, come back next week. We're super busy. And I was like, oh no, I can't. I can't, right? So I went to London Drugs and they said, oh, come like later today, we'll help you. I was like, perfect. I get there and their check is like, this might take two weeks. And I was like, two weeks? Like, how could I be without a laptop for two weeks? And it ended up being kind of like what I needed because I I literally could not work if I wanted to. And I can only do so much off my phone, right? Yeah. And it forced me to take the two weeks off to rejuvenate, to really reprioritize my life, to feel what it was like to not have a business in a sense, to like have my evenings and weekends back to myself. And it was nice. And it really made me think kind of like where my priorities are. And I had a moment where I thought to myself that, um, you know, people that you see on social media, people that you see running these businesses, that you see doing so like they have help in the back end that you don't know about right like you're yeah. helping so many people in, with their business but they're not they're not putting your face on their business so you don't people don't know that you're there um and i was like people have different priorities like not everybody has a kid that they want to spend time with not everybody has a partner um that they spend time with not everybody has like a large family that takes up some time of theirs not everybody has the same life as you And so everyone has different things that they'd like to do and you don't truly ever know what they feel like. So, um, and the reason I'm sharing this is because it takes me back to what you said about, you really just have to be okay with it and really have to want to do all that work. Um, if you want those luxuries, so what, um, if there's somebody that kind of like is in the same boat as you, and especially now with COVID, obviously, um, with everything and there's tons of layoffs, tons of unemployment going on and businesses restructuring and moving online and doing that kind of stuff. What, if there was someone that was in your position when, and had the same feelings that you had when you were making that drive from Surrey to Vancouver, um, after you were laid off, what what would you say to them? And, you know, or what would you say to yourself being, being where you are today? That...
1: Somehow, some way, it will work out, first of all. (laughs) So it's not the end of the world, first of all. Um, That, let's see, what would I say? If you're, yeah, if you're like, should I or shouldn't I? If it's in you, at least try. Um, Absolutely. Because we're still in a pandemic, this is actually an opportune time to start something. Um, because there are more supports and more people will understand. Not that you need people to understand, but you will have that more than you would before, where like when I, it was pre-pandemic when I started this. So, So it was like, are you sure? Like, you know, you get friends still sending jobs and it's like, no, no, I've burned the boats. And that's one thing that I was also talking to. I say this a lot because Tony Robbins says it, um and it's true it actually has kind of gotten me through and ironically and i'll explain in a sec but ironically like so when we came to canada from egypt um, a lot of my friends families would say like oh we're gonna you know they would go to egypt and they would stay in the apartment that their families secured and still have there And I think at one point I said to my parents, like, why didn't you keep the apartment? Like, we don't even have, you know, it would be so much cheaper if we could fly there and then have a place to stay and not have to deal with this. And I I don't remember which parent said this, unfortunately, but it was like, if we kept something there, that would be a fallback and we wouldn't be, um, we wouldn't work as hard to stay in Canada if there was a fallback. And it's the same idea as the burning the boats situation. And it is there is a historical reference to it. Um, when the Spanish went to Mexico, it was like, burn the boats because we're gonna make this work. That's the gist of it. That's my layman's terms. <laughs> but essentially, like, if you're gonna get into something, pretend, if you have a net, pretend it's not there. And if you don't have a net, that's even better because you're gonna work harder to make it work. Um, but yeah, if you're in that situation, if you've been laid off, if you're right now, like, I don't I don't like my job, I want to start my own business, start, there's nobody stopping you from starting, even if it's slow to begin and you need to keep your job. Um, but, you know, the best way to make it work fully is to go all in. And they say that on Shark Tank all the time, right? Like, if it's not 100%, and then you're not giving it your all. And so to... Do people have full-time jobs, start and make it work? Absolutely. Um, It's just your determination. Find a problem to solve if that's a product, if that's a service. Um, Like for me, I kept thinking like, what problem am I solving? And it's like, small businesses don't know where to start with marketing at all. And they don't understand marketing. They don't understand how to post. They don't understand what services are available to them, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, the problem I'm solving is saving time and making money. Um, that's that's what I would say. If you want to start, I'm not gonna say it's as easy as just go for it. It will work out. <laughs> but if it's on if it's on your mind, don't um, let me say it this way. I don't regret that I didn't continue it since 2014, but I'm working not to regret it in five years, quitting yeah. now.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that. And, and it reminds me a lot of um, kind of this conversation, I, like I said, I've been having with my husband, like he took this job and he, you know, it's stability, right? It's stability, it's just it's there. And I mean,
1: there's a family too, like it's, <laughs> yeah.
0: right. And uh, I mean, we're, we're, you know we're um i feel that we're really blessed in the sense that we have a bit of you know savings that we can fall back on and we have some flexibility there and we have so much family nearby that like you know things really hit the fan and we need to kind of move out or whatever we have so many people we can move in with you know that would yeah. take us in and you know um, help us and that would be so great but the biggest thing to him that I said to him, and I, I feel this wholeheartedly, is that your mental health is the most important thing in this whole entire world. Because your mental health, if it suffers, your physical health suffers, your emotional health suffers, your family suffers, your friends suffer, your job suffers, everything around you will crumble if you don't take care of your mental health. And so I told him, I said, you need to really sit down and reflect and think about it is this job sucking the life out of you? Is it causing you? And I could see it in, in his, you know, he's a very easygoing guy, right? He's very easygoing. He's very easy to kind of like shrug things off. and Things don't get to him very easily. But I could see that he was carrying some extra weight. And he kind of had this conflict where like, he's like, I stay late because I got to keep my job. And I'm still new. It's only been three months but I miss I miss out time with my daughter and he only was getting 10 minutes every evening. Like he'd be home at 6.45 Aww, and be home at yeah. 7 and everything. And I had been kind of telling him, you know, like I said, I'll support you, whatever you want to do, but this working late and expecting to work weekends and taking time away from your family is an absolute no. Like I would rather you have like zero income, no job, but be home, you know? And I said, let's, you know, figure it out. He was, he's like- was more loyal. He's like, oh, I can't just leave them. We're in the project, blah blah. And I said to him, and I and I say this to everybody actually listening, is that when you feel like you can't do something, you need to reflect what that is and where that trauma is coming from. Because when you say you can't, you got to you got to self reflect. You got to figure out what it is. And, and for him, it was the fact that um, you know his his you know his dad works and his mom stayed home to take care of the kids. It was you know, more of a traditional household. And he realized that that was the stability that he always felt needed to happen. Like he needed to always have a job yeah. because his dad always needed to have a job in order to keep the family afloat. Right. And, um, and he, he knew it. He's right when I brought it up, he's like, I know exactly what it is and I know why. And it actually was funny because even though our daughter is two on this past um, Sunday, actually, she hugged my husband good night and said, I'll miss you daddy. And just like, just the fact that like, she's very intuitive. And so just the fact that she said, I'll miss you, daddy. It made me feel yeah. into, we both knew that she knew she wasn't going to see much of him until uh-huh. next weekend. And I think that really kind of was the nail in the coffin for him because he was like, okay, now she can feel it. Like now she knows that I'm not around. Now she knows that my work is taking away. And, and, uh, and yeah, and then he just literally woke me up yesterday, 6 a.m. <laughs> He's like- Hey, he's like I'm quitting. I'm like, all right. Oh quit. my gosh, I'll see you later. <laughs> you know, we'll yeah. get notice and everything. But he quit, and and I got him this book. And I wish I remember the author's name, but he's a life coach. And the book said one decision, and it's like, and it's all about. And I just I can't tell you the whole summary because I haven't read the book, but I'll just tell you what it was on the covers, on the back cover. But he's it literally says it says how making one decision to believe in yourself. And to stop doubting yourself can make the change that you need to to have in your life um and for him i was like this is your one decision that's going to change your life because you don't have a fallback you don't have a job and you don't have something else lined up you literally are quitting with nothing else and like you said there's no fallback so you've got to make this work um and surprisingly, he's been telling people, he told people at work today and he was telling me, and he said people were shocked. They were like, you just quit with nothing else to fall back on, like, you're not, you don't have a job, like, you don't." don't yeah. They like, we were confused. And I, and I appreciate what you said too, cause it, it, it was just that, it's just like, you don't have a fallback, you gotta make it work. You gotta put it in hundred percent. Yeah. And no, and people won't, I, I was
1: talking to my client this morning, like people won't understand, but they don't have to. They're not the ones that are going to um, incur the repercussions of whatever your decision is. And so that's actually I'm gonna add something to your question of what would you say to someone? If you're gonna make this decision, decide early on who you're gonna listen to and who you're not going to listen to. Yeah. That is like, I think probably the first thing you need to, <laughs> you need to follow. You got to follow your instincts. If this is something that you're gonna do, Um, then yeah, decide who you're going to listen to. If they're not going to be there for you when you fall, then you don't need to listen to them because the majority of this world, and it's totally fine, the world runs on nine to five. We need people to work nine to five, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like it, it, it is a capitalist society. So there's nothing wrong with working nine to five, but it's so ingrained in our system that, and our being, (laughs) that the majority of people will say, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean you're, you don't have anything to fall back on? Because they themselves, they're projecting, right? Like their own fears. And maybe I've heard people say too, like, I wish I was that brave. You know, I wish I was that brave to take on my own thing, but I don't have it in me. And so you got to know who to listen to and who not to listen to and take everything with a grain of salt. Like, you will go to negativity, family that's like, here's a job offer I think that could work for you, you know, um, and, and just go, no, but this is, this is now my baby. Like this, this yeah. is now my child um, and I have to care for it. And if I have to stay up till 3 a.m. sometimes, I was here like working on a Shopify site one night till three or four in the morning and it was actually glorious. I loved it because mm-hmm. I knew that I was helping my client get to their goal. Um, it wasn't to hand in a report in the morning that nobody was ever going to thank me for <laughs> you know maybe that's narcissistic I don't know, but it there's just there's a there's a gratification that comes from doing your own thing that I don't think I could ever get from working for someone and i to your to your husband's uh decision and to anyone that's thinking um of of you know jumping ship um I also have this i read this quote once that keeps popping in my mind, um, not to give your life to something that would, to a company that would replace you within 24 hours of your own death. Right. Like, and they, they have to, the show must go on. Um, and so, yeah, just listen to your instincts and, um, and, but know who to listen to
0: aside from yourself. Yeah, I think I've read that same quote as you were. I've heard it because i it's always been in the back of my mind is that um, if the CEO takes a lunch break, you take a lunch break. If the CEO leaves early, you leave early. And it's just, it just, to me, it's just a sense of, you know, you're not, although the work that you may be doing is important, you're not that important because you're just another person that can be replaced with new ideas and new modes. And my sister is actually... She's, she's a year younger than me, but she's, uh, her perspective of careers and jobs is totally different from mine, and she loves the stability. She was at her first career job for nine years, wow. nine years, her entire 20s, one job. Just in the last year, she started thinking to move, and she made that switch just recently. I switch my jobs every two years like two years is long for me, like 18 months. It's like, I get rich, you know, and I always have my eye on what's next, what's next. And, and, uh, and I've realized in the last few years, it's because um, nothing is as fulfilling or nothing is keeping me as challenged. Um, And I I feel like I've tapped out, you know, I I don't like cyclical work. Like I don't kind of like every year, the same kind of stuff, come back and you do the same thing. I like new projects, new innovations, new, businesses or new things to look at and uh and that's why I think entrepreneurship is so interesting to me because if you meet someone new you meet a new business you learn something yes. brand new no two days are the same exactly and no yeah
1: and like for me to that point like working with different types of clients that own very very differing types of businesses gives me the challenge a different challenge for every single Project where it's like one day it's Wix, one day it's Shopify, one day it's just social media. What you know, there's such a there's such a difference, and it keeps me going and it keeps me interested as well. Because yeah, you wanna only work with people that are interested in your business too.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. and then and I just to talk about your piece about you gotta listen to, you know, you gotta keep track of who you wanna listen to. I was just listening to a podcast with Brené Brown and Tim Ferriss and Doc Shepard, and Doc Shepard said um on Brené Brown's um podcast and Dak Shepherd said that the best advice he's ever been given is that um you don't listen to what other people have to say about you you don't listen to what they're either thinking about you or saying about you or what they're doing because that's really none of your business it's none of your business to know what they're doing and saying and your only business is you so um so I'm a firm believer in, in living you know, through your own intuition, understanding your own intu- intuition, and really listening, um, and yeah, and having that key core people of uh, mentors and family and friends that you know will give it to you real and raw and not sugar coated, just to make yeah. you feel better. But will tell you like, no, and Jessica, your logo sucks. Like, you need to change it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that will really support you and kind of you know do that. And with that note, I do appreciate when you told me about my website icon. Because I had uh, for those that are listening, um, uh, when you have a when you have a website in the tab, there's a little icon, and usually it's the logo of the business. But mine said word had the WordPress logo, and Miriam emailed me and was like, "Hey, just letting you know, change it. It's called a favicon, right?"
1: Right. Yeah. And a lot of Squares. I'm I'm meeting new people. The Squarespace sites because a lot of people are doing Squarespace. It's literally a square icon. Um, it's square Squarespace's logo Um, but yeah the favicon it's actually it's so minuscule but you never know who's like well that just looks amateur right so and I know you weren't amateur so I was
0: like I don't want her to look amateur I (laughs) wanted well they're not even looking amateur but to be honest I'm on my website all the time I have it open but I literally have never looked at the little icon but after I did it I was thinking how not for my website because I would look for the w (laughs) I would look for the W, but for other things that I'm on, I'm always looking for the logo to know, what because I'm the type of person that has hundreds of tabs open, right? Yeah, yeah. I would look for the icon because you can't see the word, right? You can only see the icon. So I would look for the color and be like, well, oh, that's the one. Right.
1: You want to be as recognizable in the tabs as like a G for Google for your Gmail or, you know, yeah. whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, exactly. Yeah, so ginger a- your favicons. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And Miriam was so nice to just send me an email and be like, Hey, like you need to switch up your favicon. And I she taught me how to do it, uh, which was so kind and so nice for her. And also um, for those who don't know Miriam was my very first sponsor for this podcast. So I had her um, sponsor reel on the, on a couple of episodes uh, last month. So um, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah. And if you want to support her, you can definitely check out, Caffeinatedmediasolutions.com. And and I will link all her website, her social media, um, and everything on the show notes for you so you can connect with her. Um, But I really appreciated the story that you shared and everything. It's (laughs) so incredible the depth of the work that you've done, not only personally, but professionally. Um, And I love the documentary and the book that caught me by surprise because most of the time, I read the bio of my, of my guests beforehand, but it's been such a crazy week that I didn't get a chance to. And I actually appreciated that I didn't because- Surprise. <laughs> yeah, I was real honest. And I was just like reading. I was like, what? Miriam, like you do this and this too. That's so cool. So I can't wait to check out the documentary. Um, so send me the link. I might watch it tonight. Um, and for everyone else, I'll I'll put it on the show notes too for you guys to check out and and support Miriam in that. Thank you
1: so much for having me. I know this went kind of longer than maybe we thought, but it's such a pleasure speaking to you. Every time I speak to you, it's fun. And listening to your podcast has been inspiring all these lovely, lovely people with their own crazy stories that I'm like, what? So, um, everyone, everyone has their own story. So, you know, you're part of, uh, you're part of that medium that I was speaking to where you're communicating and allowing others that opportunity to share their stories. So thank you for allowing me to
0: share my crazy stories. Yeah, I appreciate it. And you know what? We all have stories to share and it's, yep. we have to believe that we do have a story to share. And um, yeah, and I know, yeah, it's just so exciting. So I really appreciate, I really appreciate you and, your, and sharing your story. Thank you. And podcast. Thank you so
1: much. Um, Yeah. And I look forward to listening, continuing to be a subscriber to your
0: podcast. Thank Thank you for the time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the end of that episode. I hope that you have learned something from that episode that can have you getting closer to a fulfilling life and career. There's so much out there in the world that you can learn, you can experience, and you can apply to your current life that will help you start making those little steps towards a career that you love and that you're inspired by. So I'm excited for you. I can't wait to hear what you're doing. I would love for you to share with me over on our social media, or you can send me an email and let me know. You can visit our website, howdidyoulearntodothat.com, for the show notes and for blog posts and to hear more about what we're up to. And, of course, we would love if you could help us grow by reviewing us on Apple Podcasts as well as on YouTube and sharing with your family and your friends.